Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So there are some things that are complex and complicated, right? Uh, for instance, how many of you have discovered that the text code is complicated and complex, right? I mean, it's like trying to read Greek. Uh, by the way, Greek is complicated. And, okay, that's a different subject. All right. Uh, the, here's another one that's kind of complex and complicated, at least to me. Uh, the, the scoring in boxing. Have you ever watched the Olympics and you know somebody won and then all of a sudden they change who won and you go, this makes no sense at all. It's just like complex and complicated. Uh, relationships. Let me have that mic, Tari. This one's jacking up. All right. So relationships are kind of uh, complicated at times, right? They, they, they become difficult. Have you ever been in a difficult relationship? Nobody? So, so like, nobody's going to admit that, like, okay, so not even, okay, I've got some honest folks. They're, they're doing it behind you so that you don't know because some of them are talking about you right now. Uh, so here's one that's complex and complicated to me, the fascination with pumpkin spice. I, I just don't understand. I don't get it. It makes no sense at all. So it's complicated. All right. So those are some complicated things, but... How many of you know that faith was never supposed to be complicated, right? Uh, now, man, when man gets in the mix with faith, we, we kind of make it very, very difficult. But Jesus arrives on the scene. He begins to walk this planet. And from the day he begins his ministry until the very end, he systematically tries to make faith more simple. He tries to clarify and simplify it for us so that we understand. And we talked about this. And so one of the things that we talked about is that one of the simple aspects of faith that Jesus calls us to is this, discipleship. He wants us to be disciples. So we begin to try to define what do disciples do? Well, we said, number one, they obey, that disciples obey. So what do we obey? We said last week that disciples are fully devoted followers of Christ. That's a great definition of a disciple, yet nobody ever really stops and says, well, what, do, what are they devoted to? Because if you don't know what they're devoted to, then you are never going to be as obedient as we should be. So we began to look at this passage of scripture uh, last week. It's Acts chapter 2. It begins in verse 42, and this is what it says. It says, they devoted, there's that word again, they devoted it. I'm so glad that Scripture tells us what they devoted themselves to, right? He didn't leave us guessing. He tells us they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we began to look at this and we said very simply, disciples study. You've got to, if you're going to be a disciple of Christ, one 
one of the elements of that is you've got to study scripture. You've got to know the word. You will never know the word if you don't know, if you don't spend any time in the word, right? You won't know that he's talking to you if you don't listen to him in his word. So last week we said they were devoted to his word. Well, I, I, I know the next logical pro- progression in this is this. They, they were devoted to fellowship. But I'm not even going to spend any time on that. I'm just going to skip right over it. You know why? Because I've talked to you at least 50 times over the last 11 years about our need for one another. I do want to mention to you, though, if you go back and read slowly this passage of Scripture, what you discover is this. Fellowship is mentioned more than any other thing that they did. In fact, it's mentioned three separate times. Word. Right? It's repeated. Because it's important. All right, so that's all I'm saying about that. I'm moving on. So, because so, we've talked about that over and over again, that we need one another. So, so um, another thing that the disciples were devoted to is what we're going to spend our time on today. The record indicates this. Disciples pray. They devoted themselves to prayer. Now, let me stop right here and do this little disclaimer because I know how this works. Anytime I've ever been in a service where a preacher begins to teach or preach about prayer, I start getting nervous. I think we all do. I think the reason that we do is that most of us feel very inadequate in this particular area of our walk with Christ. Our prayer life. And so when a preacher begins to talk about preaching and they, they, they outline this standard by which we judge whether we have a, a great prayer life or not, we all want to duck our heads. And then what we do is we do what Steve does. We go home and then we make another run at it, right? Out of guilt and shame, we try to live up to this, uh, this, this, this particular way of praying and this, this guide for praying that they outline. The defined prayer warrior, that's what we want to be, how they define being a prayer warrior. And we spend our time, uh, sometimes out of guilt, trying to live up to a standard that we ultimately discover is very difficult to live up to. In my day, this show you how old I was, it was, could you not tarry one hour? If you weren't praying one hour, buddy, you weren't a disciple, right? And, and I struck out. Okay, so, so here we go. If we make things com- complex when it comes to prayer, this is what we do. We tend to gravitate towards eloquent praying. Thus, oh Lord, the, the, the shining star of the everlasting ethereal sphere we call. All right, we want to get all, all right. We, we gravitate to this eloquent prayer. But James chapter 5 verse 16 says this, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It does not say that effective prayer is eloquent prayer. The, uh, the effectual, eloquent prayers of righteous men, it doesn't say that, right? It says the, fer- the effectual, fervent prayer of, of righteous men availeth much. What it's saying is there is a way to pray that is effective. So I want us to have effective prayer. I don't care if you don't know how to pray eloquently and, and you have to, you feel embarrassed when you pray. It doesn't really matter. As long as your prayers are effective. I want effective prayers, not eloquent prayers. I want effective prayers that bring change. I want effective prayer that causes atmospheres to transform. I want effective prayers to bring healing. I want effective prayers to bring deliverance. I want effective prayers that bring salvation. So how do we get to be effective in our prayer life? Well, I want us to look at two types of prayer that I believe that Jesus and his disciples modeled for us that were effective prayers, right? The, 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 the first one is this. I, I believe that it, we become effective in prayer if we get this. Pray, disciples pray consistently. 
That produces effective prayers. When disciples pray consistently, let me prove it to you. Uh, Luke chapter 5 verse 16 says this, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Did you catch the key word? Often. How many times? Often. How, 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 how frequent was his prayer life? Often. He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So one of the reasons that the disciples, I believe, devoted themselves to a consistent prayer life is this. Their rabbi modeled consistency in his prayer life. That's why the disciples learned to pray consistently was because their rabbis, their, their rabbi modeled consistent prayer for them. I'm not even going to preach this, but parents. Okay, I wanted to see if you could make application without my help. There you go. So, so that's why I believe that Paul comes along later and, and he, begins to, he begins to address our prayer life. And he says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. It's the one we always quote. Here it is. Pray without ceasing. Doesn't, has that verse of scripture ever bothered anybody else? Because... Okay, no, okay, so it has me because uh, pray without ceasing, but it's only because we don't understand what he's saying. Because in the Greek, the words without ceasing doesn't mean pray nonstop. Is there anybody in here that is so free in their schedule that they can pray nonstop? I mean, the kids never cry. The dog never needs to go out. The cat never ignores you. Uh, you don't have to work. You don't have any family relationships to, to address or deal with. You're just so free in life that you can absolutely pray without ever stopping. Is it, okay, I thought maybe I was in the right crowd. What it actually means is this. This is what the translation means. Consistently reoccurring. That's what it means to pray without assisting, that there's this consistent reoccurrence of prayers over and over. So Paul would come back again then in Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 and he would make this statement to us. He, gives, he actually gives us a command. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Simply put, to be a disciple, we must have a consistent, ongoing, reoccurring, personal conversation with Jesus. That's as simple as you can put it. There should be this consistent, reoccurring, personal conversation with Jesus. Why? Because your level of communication will determine the level of your connectedness. If you're not communicating with Him, you will not stay connected to Him. Other voices will get into the mix. Other things will get into the mix. So there has to be this development of a consistent, ongoing, frequently reoccurring conversation with the one that we say is our rabbi. See, I, I, um, we used to judge whether someone was uh, praying by whether they attended prayer meetings. And if you're old enough to remember that, uh, you, we did, I mean, it was like uh, you got prizes almost. I, I mean, we didn't actually give you one, but we, the esteem for you went up higher if you were the ones that would come to a prayer meeting. If anybody would come to a prayer meeting, they must be spiritual giants. I, I want to fix that a little bit this morning and tell you that I am convinced that the real indication of whether a person is a, uh, an actual disciple of Christ is whether or not they have an ongoing, consistent dialogue 
dialogue going on with Jesus through every situation, every circumstance, in every moment of their life. That is a real indication of discipleship. Not whether or not you can carve out one hour of your week and come join someone in a building somewhere and spend an hour and walk out and pat yourself on the back and say, I must be a disciple because I went to prayer meeting and there were only three of us. And so I must be one of the disciples. In fact, I must be one of the disciples that Jesus loved most because I came to the prayer meeting. No. Do you have an ongoing, consistent, frequently reoccurring conversation with Jesus? That's an indication of real discipleship. So I just have to ask you, how consistent are you in your prayer life? Do, do you catch yourself talking to, to our rabbi on an ongoing matter? How many hours of each day goes by where we forget to even talk to this one that we say we're a disciple of? How many moments, minutes, seconds do we go by? Are there 24-hour periods that act, are there seven days that go by or maybe we forget from Sunday to Sunday and we don't have this ongoing conversation with Jesus? Simply put, disciples pray. That is the standard, disciples Pray. We talk about the fact that, uh, th- th- that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. But I want to flip the script a little bit this morning. Maybe I need to ask this question. Does the shepherd recognize your voice? Uh, you know what? I've got some people in my life. Uh, I know now we cheat because we all have caller ID on our cell phones. But be- before then, I, this is going to be odd to y'all, but when there was this thing attached to the phone that you couldn't walk away from it. You, I mean, we put extra long ones on it. It was called, it was called a cord. And we would, we, the, the, the phone would ring and there was no screen. In fact, you had to do this to dial it. I know that's kind of weird. But, but uh, so I, I just dated myself. So, so I, can, I, I, I experienced that and there's no caller ID, but there are people in my life that I don't need caller ID for. We have consistently and frequently talked so often that I can pick up the phone with no caller ID and I I recognize their voice. I know who they are. I know know that, that that they're reaching out to me. And so my question this morning is, is you shouldn't have, Jesus shouldn't need caller ID with you. So when you go into prayer, some of us, it's been so long that we say, dear Lord. And he goes, uh, who is this? I don't even know who this is. Could you, uh, I don't have your number in my, my, my phone book. Could, send him a text. Could you, who is this? I'm not sure who this is. I don't want to be rude or anything, but I haven't heard from you. And so disciples have consistent prayer going on, frequent, reoccurring dialogue with Jesus. I'm not interested in how, how many people do or don't show up at a prayer meeting. What I want to know is, are you having prayer meeting in your car? Are you having prayer meeting at work? Are you having prayer meeting as you're playing a game? Are you having prayer meeting as you go through the drive through Are you having a consistent, ongoing conversation with him? Second, I think the second kind of prayer that, it, that produces results is the disciples pray persistently. Not only do disciples pray consistently, they also pray persistently. And you say, well, there's a lot of similarities between consistency and persistency. I, I, I get it, it, it but, but, but there's a difference too. Um, persistent prayer is something that disciples must develop. Because I'm convinced of this, you will never have a consistent prayer life if you don't learn to have a persistent prayer life. That was good. I don't care. You don't have to amen me. I know it was good. Thank you, Mike. I had one good amen out of that. That was good because I'm just convinced that you will never truly develop consistency, ongoing, daily, reoccurring dialogue if you first don't develop 
a persistent prayer life. See, persistence is an acquired skill. You have to learn to persevere. You have to learn to endure. You have to learn to hang on. You have to learn to strain and struggle. And that develops strength in our prayer life. You have to learn. Why is perseverance so necessary in our prayer life? Because I just needed to tell you, I just came along to tell you this morning, that at some moment in your prayer life, there's going to come this day. There's going to come a circumstance that you're going to face. There's going to come a trial that, that you continue to face over and over again. And, 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 and you're going to need persistency because you will have this moment you'll have to reach this place where you look at God and you say, you know what, I believe who you are even when who you are hasn't brought or produced the results that I want to see. That's how, we, that's how we know we're persistent in our prayer life because a lot of us pray and when we don't see what we want to see, we throw in the towel. And then that impacts our consistency. Because, okay, so, so one man said this. I think he's right. I think he said that God works through per- persevering prayer to do several things. First, he says this. He says, through persevering prayer, God purifies our desires. Because sometimes we may want the right thing for the wrong reasons. Okay, this is good stuff. I didn't even write this. It's still good. Uh, uh, He says persevering prayer is necessary because it prepares us for his answer. Because a lot of times a premature answer might cause us to glory more in the gift than in the giver. If he gives us what we ask for too soon, we'll just forget about him altogether. He says that we need to develop persistency because it develops our character and our Life. One of God's greatest priorities in prayer is the work He desires to do in us. And you don't get that through microwave prayers. It's through persistency. I go back again and again. And then fourth, He said to bless us with a more intimate relationship with God. See, Jesus address, uh, addresses pers- uh, uh, persistent prayer at least twice in Scripture that I could find as I begin to think about a persistent prayer life and, and holding on when all my circumstances don't look right and hanging on and hanging in. And I, and I, think, I, th- I start thinking, well, what did Jesus say about being persistent? Well, twice. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, teach us how to pray. And he starts teaching them, you know, the prayer, our Father. Which, okay, y'all know that one? Which we call it the Lord's Prayer. It really wasn't the Lord's Prayer. It was the disciples' prayer. He was, the Lord was teaching the disciples how to pray. And right after he teaches them how to pray, he addresses persistency. I mean, there's not even a hesitation. It's all the same breath. He, he gives them the prayer. Then he says this. He says, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me loaves of bread. Uh, uh, A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I I can't get up and give you anything. He says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely give up and give you as much as you need. He teaches us how to pray. And then he says, there are going to be times in prayer where you are going to have to just hang on and ask again. He comes back in Luke chapter 18. He does it again. He says, then Jesus told his disciples. And have you ever stopped to ask why he told his disciples parables? Why? Well, in this one, he tells us. 
He says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. In other words, leave me alone. You've asked me so often that I'm just like, okay, finally, here you go. Jesus is trying to teach us that as disciples, we must learn to persistently pray. It, 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 it's clear that we've got to come up, we've got to grow up to this never give up mentality and approach in prayer. I, even when everything looks wrong, even when everything's falling apart, even when I've asked and I've asked and I've asked and I'm not seeing anything change, I, I believe in him so much that I will ask him again. I will be persistent because I know he's a good father. Because I know he's faithful. Because I know he's trustworthy. Because I know he has the provision. Not only does he have provision, he has willingness. He's capable and able. And he's also willing. And so I just keep approaching him. See, I, I wonder if too many of us give up in prayer. And by doing so, this is, whether we mean to or not. Because a lot of us pray like this. We'll pray and when we don't see results instantly, we give up. And in, in doing so, whether we mean to or not. We are literally saying, God, I've given up on you. I have given up on my faith in you. I have given up on my trust in you. I've given up on the belief that you can do anything about this. And so since I've prayed, like I've prayed like twice, God, and it's still nothing's changed. Like I've asked you twice. Come on, I've had to repeat myself at least twice. So now because you didn't come through, I'll find a different way. Anybody else ever got themselves in trouble doing that? I've got, okay, I just want to see. See, Spurgeon said it like this. He says, if you will give him no rest, he will give you all the rest you need. Another minister by the name of Alexander White said this. He says, if you find, I love this. He says, if you find your life of prayer to be always so short and so easy and so spiritual as to be without cost and strain and sweat to you, you may depend on it. You have not yet begun to pray. Persistence. I am concerned that in our microwave lifestyle that we have been robbed of the ability to slow cook in prayer. Uh, In in old circles, I I still remember as a kid hearing people talk about this. I'm going to say this term and some of y'all are going to look at me like you don't even have a clue what I'm talking about. We learned how to tarry in prayer. We learn to tarry. What does that mean? It means to wait. It means to hang on. It means to just keep pressing in. It means just, we used to use this one. This one always struck me as odd, but, but we used it anyway. We, we talked about praying through. I always wanted to say praying through what? And then I grew up and realized you've got to pray through some stuff. Right? Praying, praying through my own desires. Praying through my own wants. Praying through, I've got to learn to pray through persistency in prayer. Not giving up. Hanging, let me say it like this. I'm challenging you to become tough in prayer. That's a different way to put it in it. I want you to be such a disciple that you learn to be tough in prayer. So when everything around me says give up, quit, 
Nothing's going to change. It's always going to be like this. You've asked before, no results. You're tough enough to go back and say, I haven't seen this change yet, but I still trust you. See, I, I went back and I started thinking about this. You do realize that every one of the disciples in, in Jewish system, because this is foreign to us, but in the, Jewish, in the Jewish system, every disciple had gone to school. When we think of school, we think of like um, Bridge Creek High School. All right, we think of like Norman Middle School. We think of Yukon Elementary School. That's the kind of school we think of. That's not how they went to school. They went to school at church. Every local synagogue was their schoolhouse. And the Bible, the Torah, was their textbook. Can I just tell you already that because the disciples had gone, every one of them had gone to the synagogue to study. It was mandated. They left their father's house. They went to the synagogue and they studied scripture. Can I assure you this? They had also been taught and instructed on how to pray. You know how I know? Because I've been to Israel and I watched little four and five year old boys at the wailing wall sitting there rocking back and forth, praying the scripture. They're being taught in the synagogue every day how to pray, how to pray, how to pray. They pray the scriptures, they pray the scriptures, they pray the scriptures. So I have no trouble believing. It's not a logical leap. It's, it's, it's an assured fact that the disciples had been taught how to pray. So why would they ask Jesus how to pray? If they'd already been taught how to pray, Why would they come to Jesus and say, Rabbi, teach us how to pray? I think I've got the answer. I think it's because they saw the impact of his prayers. And I think they saw the power of his prayers. And I think they saw the results of his prayers. And I think while they watched that taking place in Jesus' life, and they watched the consistency of Jesus' prayer life, and they certainly watched the persistency of Jesus' prayer life, because how many of you prayed until you started sweating blood? I think they watched it, and all of a sudden they saw the impact and the results of Jesus' prayer life, and they went, we want that. Right? I, I, see, I see you raising people that, from the dead. I see you taking bread and praying over it, and it like multiplies. Teach me that. I, I see you doing some crazy stuff, Jesus. Teach me how you pray, because I want... Right? So this is my question then. When's the last time somebody asked you to teach them to pray? Maybe people don't ask us to teach them how to pray because they don't see the consistency and the persistency in our prayer life to the point that it is producing results. And so they don't want to learn how we, want to, how we pray because they don't. I'm just, I'm just trying to convince you this morning that the prayer life that attracts me most is not an eloquent prayer life. It's not a flamboyant prayer life. It's not even necessarily, it could be, but it's not necessarily even a, a, a loud prayer life. It is people that have learned to pray consistently 
consistently that have an ongoing dialogue with Jesus to the point that Jesus recognizes their voice and they recognize Jesus' voice. It's people that have been persistent who've gone through trial and heartbreak and tragedy, but they still keep calling on Jesus and they keep speaking to Jesus and they keep trusting Jesus. Those are the people whose prayer life I'm attracted to and I want to be attracted to your prayer life. See, why is it that we want to go learn how preachers pray? Why is it that it's preachers that write books on prayer? Why, why is it that we, we promote preachers' prayer life as if preachers have the monopoly on prayer life? Listen, I want us as a congregation, just the average Joe Blow, just somebody that's just attending church, we think, I want every one of us to develop such a consistent and a persistent prayer life that you can write the book. And that people would approach you and say, hey, there's something different about you. When you're going through difficult times, it never seems to affect you. You just continue to believe and continue to hold on. That will take place when you become consistent and persistent in prayer. I've discovered that the people that always want the microphone to pray may not have the most effective prayer life. It's usually the ones that resist the microphone and say, I don't want to pray in front of anybody. But Jesus hears their voice. I want to challenge you this morning to simply become more consistent. Moment by moment, day by day, minute by minute. Put it in your phone if you've got to. To remind you that there is a rabbi that needs to hear your voice. I just want to challenge you this morning that if you've been holding on and you've been trying to to be tough and it seems like nothing's changing and it feels like you're praying and the prayers are bouncing off the ceiling back at you can i can i just tell you just keep just keep praying i want to encourage you this morning don't give up don't quit don't throw in the towel his track record is sure. Just keep pressing in. Become like the widow woman. Knock on the door again. Become like the neighbor. Go bang on the door and pray audacious prayers and say, God, please, I've asked. I know I've asked, but I'm asking again. I'm asking again. And maybe you've just started this relationship with this rabbi by the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you to start talking to him daily and start talking to him about what matters in your life and let him learn your voice so that you'll hear his. Will you stand with me this morning? Simply put, disciples pray. Disciples pray. If we are going to be fully devoted followers of Christ, then we must develop a prayer life. I'm not asking you if you can pray an hour. I'm not going to call you in here on an off night and start the timer and say, well, if you don't hit the 20 minute mark, you must not be a disciple. And while you lay on your face somewhere here in the building, you fall asleep because you're exhausted. But you made the 20 minute mark, so you're a disciple. Now what I'm... I'm challenging you to do is to talk to Jesus so often and so frequently and so persistently that when there's a need in the body, they don't have to come to the preacher. They can come to you and say, would you pray for me? Because they've watched you and they've seen things change. 
And they've seen you go through hard times. They've seen you, they've seen you hold on. And they know that if you talk to him, he'll hear you. Do you have anybody in your life right now that, that you can go to that you know that when they speak to Jesus, Jesus hears them? I have somebody. I've got several somebodies. I've got my wife. I've got my dad and mom. And i got some really close friends that I know if I say, hey, will you pray? They don't have to get, grab a microphone and pray eloquently. I know that their prayers are effective. Do you have anybody? Are you somebody to anybody that they can trust you? Father, this morning, this is my prayer, my simple prayer. I pray that you would teach us to pray consistently and persistently. And I'm going to switch the order, Lord, real quick. I just pray that over some folks in this room today that feel like giving up. They've asked and they haven't seen anything change. They've asked and it's been a tough time and it's like they're not even sure that you hear. If that's you, would you just raise a hand? Nobody's going to look around. I'm not even going to ask anybody to lay hands on you. If that's you, just raise your hand. I've, I've asked and I've asked and I've asked and it doesn't seem like anything's changing and I just, sometimes I feel like giving up. My hand's up. You don't have to look around. My hand is up. Father, you see our hands, but more importantly, you see our hearts. There are many of us in this room that we've been asking. And now it feels like it's time to throw in the towel. I pray that right now that you would burn in a new determination, burn in new courage, burn in new strength to us right now, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray that right now you would strengthen us, help us sustain us. Help us to be persistent. If we thought there was somebody else that could do what you could do, we might go somewhere else, but we're convinced of this. You're God. You've got all power. You've got all authority. You've got all ability. You've got all the provision. You've got all the healing. You've got all the the restoration that we need. So, Father, we just continue to persist in you. We persist. We persist. We refuse. We dig in. We get tough. We approach you again. We approach you again, and we approach you again, and we approach you again, and we'll approach you again, and we approach you again, and we'll ask again, and we'll ask again, and we'll ask again until we see your will accomplished in our life. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now that you would help us to become persistent in our prayer life. And then, Father, secondly, I pray that as disciples we would become very consistent in a prayer life. We wouldn't wait on a church door to be open to pray. I pray that we would find ourselves talking to you on a regular basis. First thing in the morning when we wake up, I pray that the dialogue would start and I pray that it would be frequently reoccurring all day long until it's time for bed and the last thing that goes through our mind is, Father, I've I've enjoyed the conversation today. I'm glad I have unlimited minutes. I can approach you boldly and know that you're listening and that you're speaking. And so, Father, I pray this morning right now that you would enable us to be more consistent in our prayer life. I ask you to do this to the place that people will come and ask us to teach them how to pray. I pray that you would accomplish that in Jesus' name. And everybody 
that's willing to pray more consistently and persistently, would you say amen this morning? Now, would you touch your neighbor right now and say, I need you to learn how to pray, to teach me how to pray. One of those. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.